0: Earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, um, and just the heartbreak there. Um, there, the, the missions agency of, of our denomination, the PCA, is called Mission to the World, and they have sent out some information where they're going to try to mobilize, uh, they will mobilize some relief efforts, and so stay tuned on how uh, we as a church can partner uh, with those who are hurting and suffering in Turkey and Syria. We'll provide that information uh, up front here and then in our email in the weeks ahead. And we also want to pray for the ministry of Young Life this morning. Um, there is, the, the, I guess, the first ever wildlife camp happening right now. Uh, wildlife is a ministry to uh, middle schoolers um, in surrounding uh, area schools. And so there are a number of middle schoolers um, up at Young Life Camp at Windy Gap uh, this weekend, uh, many of whom are hearing, hearing the gospel for the first time. And so we want to pray that, that they would have ears to hear it and that the Spirit would work while they're Uh, At camp this weekend. So I'm going to pray for these things and then we will join together and pray the Lord's Prayer out loud. Um, And the words for that will be up on the screen behind me when it comes time for that. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Father, thanks so much uh, for your steadfast love to us. God, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Uh, Thank you that you don't treat us as our sins deserve. Uh, There really is no one like you, God. And, and we celebrate that, and we praise you. And Father, thank you that we can be together this morning for worship. Um, what a gift it is to have space for worship. Uh, Father, such a part of our story is, is looking for a home, looking for a place to worship. And we thank you for the Phyllis Wheatley Community Center. Thank you for the hospitality of us, for providing this space. Thank you that we can worship in the mornings together. That's something we asked you for for a long time, and you have provided it. And we thank you for that. God, thank you that we can offer Sunday school to our children. Thank you that we can have meeting space, a space to gather and drink coffee before and after worship. We're so grateful, and we thank you for that. Thank you for your financial provision for our church. God, you have been so generous to us, and you have used the generosity of your people towards that end. Thank you for providing all that we need and even an abundance. God, thank you for the ways that you're at work in our midst drawing people into our community. Thank you uh, for our new members class yesterday, uh, for time to reflect on the story of this church and how you have gathered us together and what you're doing in our midst. Um, God, thank you for our great women's ministry event this past Thursday night, for creating a place of fun and laughter and fellowship and friendship. God, you're doing wonderful things in our midst, and we give you all the glory. And we praise you for it. And Father, as we uh, broaden our horizon and think about um, the world around us, our hearts continue to break for the devastation in Turkey and Syria. Father, um, we pray uh, that you would come to the rescue. We pray that you would send help. God, we lift up those who are grieving. The massive loss of life. We we pray for those who are grieving that you would meet them in their grief and you would comfort them. God, we pray that those for those who are um, first responders who are and those who are even volunteering, um, literally digging through rubble, looking for people. God, would you meet them, sustain them? God, um, we pray for hope for these people. We pray that this devastation would cause many to look to you as their salvation that they would flee to you in the midst of this and the unknowns of this, and that you would be their hope. And, Father, we pray for practical provision, whatever is needed uh, to come to the aid of those who are in need. Father, would you provide it? And would you stir in in those churches around the world with means that they might uh, help in meeting of, of the needs of your people in Turkey and Syria? And, Father, give us wisdom in the weeks and months ahead as to how we can participate in that. Father, thank you for your promise to be at work in and around uh, this community here. Thank you for the ministry of Young Life. Thank you for the many um, students who come to know you through this ministry. Thank you for wildlife. Thank you for bringing wildlife to the greater Greenville area. Um, God, we lift up the wildlife... uh, Retreat this weekend to you. We pray that you would bless um, the words that are spoken, that you would bless those who are hearing uh, the gospel for the first time, that they would come to an understanding of their sin and a recognition of you, Jesus, as their only hope, as their Savior, even this weekend. God, we pray for a lot of fun and a lot of laughter and a lot of joy. We pray for the beginning of new friendships and community. And we pray your blessing on all those who are working and are volunteering there this weekend. Father, thank you for the work um, that the work that you're doing in the children of our church. Thank you for our nursery, for our nursery staff and volunteers. Thank you for our children's church volunteers. Thank you for our Sunday school teachers and helpers. Father, we pray that you you would use all of this these things that we have set up for our kids. That we would, you would use that so that they might believe in you, that they would come to faith, saving faith as children, that they would never know a day apart from faith in you and apart from loving your church and loving your people. Father, may that even the littlest among us bow the knee to you. And God, thanks that you know us. You know right where we're at this morning. You know what we're struggling with you know what's distracting us you know what our hopes and our longings are and father thank you that you see those things and you love us and you're with us and so we join together this morning as those who are united to Jesus and united to each other to pray with one voice the prayer that he taught us by saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right, preschoolers, you are now dismissed for Children's Church. You can walk out this door to my right over here. Parents, you are welcome to walk over across the hall and see the classroom and meet the teachers as you are over there. If not, they can be picked up at the conclusion of the service. The rest of us uh, can turn uh, in your Bibles to John chapter fourteen. Um, you can also find that passage uh, on a phone Bible, which is really convenient, or in uh, it's printed in your bulletin as well. John chapter fourteen. And as you're turning there, um, I wonder how you think about the Holy Spirit. How do you think about the Holy Spirit? Do you think about the Holy Spirit? Um, Do you tend to under spiritualize the Holy Spirit, meaning you just don't really think about the Spirit at all? Um, uh, Maybe the Trinity for you is practically more just kind of father and son, and you kind of know the Spirit is there, but you don't really pay attention to Him. It's kind of just father and son. You you under spiritualize the Holy Spirit. Uh, Or maybe you are more prone to over spiritualize the Holy Spirit, meaning um, you, you tend to be convinced that every thought or feeling that you have is the Spirit speaking to you, telling you something new that day. Um, prior to working as a church pastor, I worked in college ministry. Um, and I remember one time I had a student reach out to me and said, hey, Jonathan, can we get together? There's something really important that I want to talk with you about. I said, sure, absolutely. So um, I meet with this student, and she um, she says, okay, so I need to tell you something um, The Spirit uh, told me something, and I wanted to share it with you and kind of get your thoughts on it. I said, great. I would love to hear, you know. And she said that the Holy Spirit told me um, who I'm going to marry. I said, that's amazing. (laughs) What did he say? And so she told me the name of this boy, and and I said, I didn't know the boy. He's He's another guy on campus. I said, okay, wow. Tell me more about that. And she said, yeah, you know, um, this is his name. This is kind of, this is like what I really like about him, and he's just really great. And, and there's only one problem, you know, he's dating somebody else. So, uh, that's a problem, you know, but I, I said, well, you know. And I just kind of tried to listen um, and, 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 and just process with her. Um, it turned out that um, as time went on, this other boy continued to date someone else. She ended up dating someone else. They are now, as far as I know, both happily married to other people not to one another Uh, but in her mind she had this longing and this desire to marry uh, this boy and she was convinced that that was a spirit speaking to her and telling her that they would get married she was even over spiritualizing her own thoughts and feelings in this moment Um, whether you're prone to under spiritualize or over spiritualize it's easy to be confused about the holy spirit um, as a father of three daughters I frequently find myself really confused um, there are certain areas of life where when I'm asked to to help or assist with something I'll just tell my daughters hey that that's a mom question go that's that that's a mom thing especially related to hair fixing the hair in any way that yeah that's that's a mom thing and they know by now not to even ask me that uh, matching of clothing or types of clothing that goes with that, that goes together or certain colors of clothing or what shoes to wear with what that, that Go, go ask your mother. I'm just, I am just—I will frequently find myself totally confused, and I'll just kind of shrug, not understanding, and just kind of move on. Um, we can be really confused about the work of the Holy Spirit, and so we kind of end up just like shrugging and not really understanding what he does, and so we just kind of move on. Uh, we're in a series right now uh, looking at the Apostles' Creed, and the Creed has been around for centuries, and it unites lots of different types of Christians from around the globe— and it functions as sort of a road map, helping us to understand the essential beliefs in the Bible. And today we're looking at the part of the creed that says that we believe in the Holy Spirit. And so what if, um, rather than being something that confused us, uh, what if we had a growing relationship with the Holy Spirit and we understood His work in our lives? Uh, our text this morning is John 14, we will look at verses 15 to 26. John 14, beginning in verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You, will know, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. "'Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us "'and not to the world?' "'Jesus answered him, "'If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, "'and my Father will love him, "'and we will come to him and make our home with him. "'Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, "'and the word that you hear is not mine, "'but the Father's who sent me. "'These things I have spoken to you "'while I am still with you. "'But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, "'whom the Father will send in my name,' He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us in your word. We ask you to do that just now by your Holy Spirit. Oh, that we would know more of you. Open our eyes. Open our ears, open our hearts. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so three ways that we can learn about the work of the Holy Spirit this morning from this passage. Um, Three headings this morning. First, the Spirit teaches us. Secondly, the Spirit helps us. Third, the Spirit reminds us. First, the Spirit teaches us. Look at verse 17 in your passage. It refers to the spirit of truth. Uh, So the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. Look down at verse 26 at the end of the passage. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So what does the Spirit do? The Spirit teaches us And the Spirit helps us to remember. And verse 26 is a specific promise to the apostles that he will teach the apostles and speak through the apostles in their writing of the scriptures that would happen in the coming years. So that's specific to them. But there is this general application as well that the Spirit teaches us the word and he brings the mind to word within us. Let's zoom in for a moment on two theological words that are helpful um, as we think about this. The first is revelation, and the second is illumination. So first, revelation, specifically God's special revelation. Uh, This is his revealing of himself to us in the Bible. Uh, So the Bible is the revealed word of God. God spoke to us. He revealed himself to us in his word. Uh, That's revelation. God speaking to us in his word. That's different from elimination. Uh, Elimination, this is when the Holy Spirit applies the already revealed word of God in the scriptures to us personally. Um, Elimination is a spirit illuminating the truth of the Bible to us personally, making it real to us. Um, Think about it this way. So we've got um, an addict in our ceiling with like the pull down stairs and all that and we have um uh, we always have like some kind of rodent problem in our house. I've got lots of stories I could share, but we had some we noticed we had some mice up in our attic and so I climbed up there and set some mouse traps up there in the attic and and then you sort of shut it and you just kind of leave it and like hope for the best, right? Um well, you got to go check those traps. And so the way it works is I'll, I'll pull the stairs down to the attic and um, it has a little a light bulb with a string on it up up in there, but you have to basically crawl up into the dark attic about halfway so you can reach the string to the light to turn the light on to see what's there. And so after I've set a mousetrap up there, I've got to crawl up there in the dark, not knowing what's around me, though it's already there waiting. And then I turn the light on, and the light shines on what is or is not already there. Um, illumination... Is the Spirit eliminating what has already been revealed to us in God's Word, applying it to us personally? Elimination answers the question: what does the Spirit teach us? He teaches us the Word of god he applies it to the specific situations that we're in in our lives he brings the word to mind when we need it maybe you're facing a a moment of temptation and you feel like you just can't resist But the Spirit brings to mind 1 Corinthians 10.13, which says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation He will also provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. In the moment, the Spirit recalls to mind the Word of God that's hidden within you. He applies God's Word to us. He brings it to mind right when we need it. Um, The Tour de France bike race has around 160 riders that compete on about 20 different teams so if you've ever seen it on tv they ride in a big group together it's called a peloton and occasionally there will be um, individual riders or small groups of riders that will try to break away from the peloton to try to win the stage and so as you imagine 20 teams 160 riders there's breakaways there's mountains there's all kinds of stuff you can't see really who's around you or what's around the bend communication is crucial in the Tour de France. And so the team director is in a car way behind the peloton, but he has a TV screen that shows everything that's happening. And every rider on the team has an earpiece. And so the team director has a microphone and is able to speak directly into the ear of every rider to say, all right, around this turn, there's going to be a big climb. Save your energy because you have a big climb coming up. Or that guy that you're trying to beat, he's getting ahead of you. You need to go take off and go try to catch him right now. But he is always in the ear of his riders telling them exactly where to go and exactly what to do. We have the Holy Spirit in our ear telling us the truth, speaking God's words To us, And and if you think about this idea of being filled with the Spirit, this begins to shape how we think about that, being filled with the Spirit. The authors of Rooted say the following. They say, if you really want to be filled with the Spirit of God, you will have to hang on to His words. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you have to hang on to His words. And this is why it's so good to spend time reading and studying the Bible on our own. Uh, And maybe not just breezing through a chapter in the morning before you hurry out to start your day, but really slowing down and chewing on even just one verse. Meditating on a verse, or even just half a verse, sitting in silence and thinking about it. Maybe even memorizing a passage of Scripture, um, tucking it away in your heart so that the Spirit might bring it to mind. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored it up. I've tucked it away. One translation says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, you'll have to hang on to His words. Um, Part of how we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit is to understand that the Spirit is at work inside of us teaching us The truth of God's word. So the Spirit teaches us. Secondly, the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps us. Look at verse 16. And I, that's Jesus, will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Uh, A key phrase there, another, another helper. Meaning Jesus was the original helper, uh, or the original word there is paraclete. Um, But Jesus, as we looked at a few weeks ago, ascends back up to heaven. And the Father gives us another helper, and that other helper is the Holy Spirit. Uh, And this word, paraclete, is worth zooming in on. Helper is how it's translated in our uh, version, the ESV. It means helper. It means comforter. Uh, It means advocate uh, or counselor. Um, It's the image of someone standing alongside us. Um, The authors of Rooted describe the Spirit as, quote, a field general standing alongside you urging you on to battle and victory he is urging you on to the life that god has for you that's how the spirit helps us um he's urging you on to the life that god has for you and oh how badly we need this Um, Because of our sinful, fallen nature, we want to chase after the things of this world. And that affects all of us. All the way back in Genesis 3, in the garden with Adam and Eve, where they chose to disobey God, to do life their way rather than God's way, it has affected all of humanity. And everyone here, regardless of your background or story, you have been affected by this fallen nature. You have this sin dwelling inside of you. And so it leads us to chase after the things of this world. To, to try to find the good life in the here and the now rather than in God himself. And so we live in selfishness. We, we look for more control. We misuse our lust and our sexuality. Uh, but in these real moments of temptation and struggle, the Spirit is our helper, our field general, urging us on to the life that God has for us. And verses 16 and 17 say that this helper will be with us forever and will dwell in us, and will be in us. Um, The field general is inside of us. Um, Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians 3, and I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 6. You could look those up later. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Listen to what it says about the Spirit. Do you not know that you are God's temple... And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Okay, so that's 1 Corinthians 3 and 6. Um, the background to that is that the, in the Old Testament, the temple was the physical place where you went to go meet with God. And the New Testament tells us that we, the people of God, us here in this space, are now God's temple and God's spirit dwells within us. And here's what that means for you. You are not alone as you follow Jesus. You're not alone. As you follow Jesus, so much of life feels so lonely. And you may feel really lonely, even if, you know, maybe you you have a roommate um, or or family that you live with. Maybe you're even married. Maybe it looks like you have great friends or all this uh, busy social calendar, but deep down you just feel really lonely. And that translates over into how you think about following Jesus. It just feels lonely to you. It means that we're not really alone. And it means that when we do feel alone and we're faced with temptations, um, if if we're doing that on our own, the the, the chances of us resisting temptation are just not very good if we're feeling all alone in that moment. Um, I saw a study that showed significant uh, measurable benefits of exercising with a group rather than exercising alone. Um, One study said that that 95% of those who started a weight loss program with friends ended up completing that program. Compared to only 76% completion rate for those who tried to do the program on their own. Um, the friend group was also 42% more likely to maintain their new weight loss. And so, with exercise, and this kind of, it's kind of like, well, yeah, no kidding, right? With exercise, it makes sense. Your results are much better when you're exercising in a group rather than by yourself. What about in your walk with Jesus? You had the Spirit of God inside of you dwelling in you, and he will be there forever, meaning you are never alone. You are not facing that temptation alone. You're not even fighting that temptation with your own power. You have the helper, the field general, inside of you fighting with his power. And you may have noticed, looking back at our passage, that there is a theme of keeping Jesus' commandments woven throughout this passage. Look at verse 15. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21 says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Look at verses 22 through 24. It's a question from Judas. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And he will come to him. He will make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. There is a lot about if you are in relationship with Jesus, if you love Jesus and you're loved by him, then that will inevitably show itself in keeping his commandments in following his ways and walking in the way in which he walked. And that sounds daunting, except for the fact that the Spirit helps us to keep God's commandments. You are not obeying on your own. You've got help. Have you ever tried to move a large piece of furniture on your own? Uh, for some reason, you are very eager to move this piece of furniture, and no one is at home or around to help you do it, and you really want to get it done, and so you, you kind of maneuver the piece of furniture in, in, a, in a kind of a weird way. You start bending your body in ways it shouldn't bend, and you try to get as much leverage as you can to lift the piece of furniture. And kind of like mid-move, you feel your back starting to go out. And you instantly think, this was a terrible idea. What am I doing? So you drop the piece of furniture maybe in the stairwell. You just leave it there. And then finally your roommate gets home or someone comes home to help you. And you're able to move the furniture. And it is just such a relief when help arrives. Help has arrived with the Holy Spirit. We have help in our obedience, help to love God, help to love others, uh, to be urged on to the life that God has for us. We don't go at this alone. And, and maybe if you're here and maybe you're in a season uh, of where you have just been, you just feel like you're getting beat up, giving into temptation. There is something that you're struggling with where you just feel like you can't stop. Um Maybe you can stop for a while, but it just kind of keeps rearing its head in your life. Whatever that may look like that feels habitual to you. Maybe here's the new prayer for you after today. Spirit, help me. Spirit, help me. Clearly, I can't do this on my own. Spirit, help me to obey. I want to obey. Help me to fight temptation. Uh, To grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to understand that the Spirit is dwelling inside of us and helping us on this journey of following Jesus. So the Spirit teaches us, the Spirit helps us. Third, the Spirit reminds us. What's the story that you tell yourself about who you are? And um, we all have these um, ideas about our identity. And, and you know, maybe if we were asked to, hey, write a little bit about who you are and your identity or even how you introduce yourself to someone, we maybe would write, you know, like about uh, what we do during our day, our, our job, our school, maybe about family and other relationships like that. You might mention your faith in there if your faith is important to you. And, and we kind of know how, how we ought to maybe think about it. But then there's also the internal story of the story that we really tell ourselves about who we are. Um, what's the script, the honest script, that is rolling inside of your mind when you think about yourself. Um, For many of us, it is a constant story of not being enough. Um, Stories like, uh, I'm not attractive enough. Um, We feel like our bodies are weird or different uh, or just not the way we wish they were, and we just want to lose a little bit of weight, or we just wish we were a little bit taller than we are or a little bit shorter than we are, or a little bit stronger, or a little bit healthier, and so we just, we look in the mirror at ourselves, and we just see our physical bodies is just not enough, and the story we tell ourselves that we're just not attractive enough, we're not, we're not good enough physically, and that's just kind of on repeat, maybe not, maybe not, we're not like we're actually saying that, but that's kind of the narrative that's kind of just floating around all the time, or maybe it has to do with, with success in life, the stories that we're just not successful enough, we're not good enough, what we're supposed to be good at. Maybe we feel like we're okay at work, at our job, or okay in school, but we're just constantly comparing ourselves to kind of the, the next level up to those who are better. And we just wish we could get just, just the next higher grade or, or the next higher GPA um, or the next kind of level of commission check or the next level of promotion. And the story that we're, we're, is kind of on repeat inside our minds is that we're just not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not successful enough. We haven't achieved enough like we should have. And that is a story that is on repeat. Maybe it's a story about parenting. We're just not good enough parents. That's, that's what we tell ourselves. In our honest moments, we just feel like we're ruining our kids. Any mistake they make, we, we, just, we personalize it and turns it into this kind of shame story with ourselves. We're not present enough with our kids. We're too distracted. Uh, we work too much. Uh, we can't provide the life for our kids like we hoped we could. Or, yeah, maybe the kids are just struggling in some way, and so we blame ourselves. And so the story we tell ourselves is that we, we've messed up our kids, and we're just not good enough as parents. Surely there is some kind of not good enough narrative that is on repeat in your mind. And that, that story or that script, um, that's running about 98% of the time in the background. And that begins to shape how we think about ourselves. Those are identity-forming stories. And so we can begin to think about our core identity as someone who is just not enough in all these different areas of life. And that, what does that mean? What's the way forward? The way forward is to get better in all those areas, to, to do better, to be a better parent, to be more successful, um, to, to get in the gym and change our bodies or whatever the case may be. It's just to do more. And, and the problem is that is utterly exhausting it will never actually fix the problem. And that's not actually how God sees us. That is not our identity as followers of Jesus. Part of what our sin does to us, and it's very sneaky, our sin forces us to forget our true identity. Look at verse 18 in our passage. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. That's really interesting language. Jesus is saying he will not leave us alone. Jesus will not leave us as those without a family. All right, listen to how the Apostle Paul expounds on this in Romans. This is Romans eight fifteen and 16. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that what? that we are children of God. Um, The Spirit is inside of you right now reminding you that you are a child of God. And He's at work in you right now re-narrating the true story away from the not-enoughness of whatever it is you're telling yourself into the true story of your true identity as a child of God. Um, that is a story that the Spirit is telling you, that you are loved by the Father, that you're a son of God, that you're a daughter of God, uh, that He smiles over you, that He delights in you, that God the Father rejoices over you, He sings over you, that He really loves you. Uh, There have been times where my kids and I, at night, will get my phone out and they'll start scrolling to the really, really old pictures of, and videos of when they were really young, and uh, especially for my oldest, for my 13 year old, we can look back on um, videos of when she was like two years old and then pulled up on the phone and she's got like her cute little kid voice or her little kid hands, and we'll just watch it and we'll laugh. and I will just gush and gush at them and how cute they were and how precious they were, and, and just how great it is to be their dad. Uh, parents, maybe you know the feeling of uh, after a long day of parenting and you finally get your kids to bed, and you're like, oh, finally just a few moments to, to rest and, and have some, some time to myself or some time to ourselves. And then soon enough, you catch your breath, you sit down, and what do you do? You start missing your kids again. Like, man, aren't our kids great? I love our kids. You, just, you start sharing stories about the day. You Remember when they said this? Wasn't that amazing? They did that, and you, and you start to miss them because you love them so much. Your father in heaven loves you. He's adopted you as his child. You are in the family and he loves you perfectly. Not in the flawed ways, that earthly ways, that the earthly fathers uh, love their children in this life, but in the perfect way that the heavenly father loves us. And the spirit is at work in us reminding us of this. Um, in, in the face of all of our not enough stories that we tell ourselves, the spirit is telling a different story that you are a child of God, and this may be a massive hang-up to you, um, where you just, you just don't experientially live your life like a child of God. You live like you are just on a treadmill that, that just keeps getting faster, and you just are not getting anywhere. And you just constantly feel like not enough, and you constantly feel like not enough spiritually, and in your relationships, and in your work. If that is where you're struggling, maybe the prayer is just this. Spirit, remind me. Spirit, remind me that I'm a child of God. Tell me my true identity today. Um, To grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to understand that the Spirit is at work reminding us of our true identity as children of God. The Spirit teaches us. The Spirit helps us. And the Spirit reminds us. And there's a warning, though, embedded in this passage. Look back again at verse 17. It says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Here's the warning there are those who know the Spirit, and there are those who don't know the Spirit. Jesus is drawing a distinction between those in the world who do not know the Spirit, they don't see Him, they cannot receive Him, and then those who do have faith in Him who do know the Spirit because He dwells inside of them. And so the crucial question to answer this morning is, do you know the Spirit? Another way to ask this question is, do you have faith in Jesus? Is Jesus the most central part of your life? Have you centered everything around him? Surrendered completely to him? Uh, Because these sayings, faith in Jesus and knowing the spirit, they are inseparable. They always go together. All who truly have faith in Christ also will have the spirit dwelling inside of them. And Jesus offers himself to you this morning. And he's the only place where you can go To have your guilt and your sin really dealt with because he died on the cross in your place. He died to take the punishment that your sins deserve. He did that for you. He offers it to you. And he's the only place where you can go to find perfect righteousness and goodness. Do you know that Jesus lived a perfect and beautiful life? He never sinned. But he obeyed his father perfectly and he offers that perfect record to you by faith. Um, When we, we recite in the creed that we believe in the Holy Spirit, we are saying that the Spirit of God has come and has made his home within us, is dwelling inside of us, teaching us, helping us, and reminding us, and that he will be with us forever. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have not left us alone, even as Jesus came and dwelt among us, went to the cross and died, was resurrected, ascended back to your right hand, we're still not alone because you have sent the Spirit to come and to teach us, to teach us your word, to teach us your truth, to come and help us in our journey of following you, to help us to fight temptation, to comfort us, to be near to us. And you have sent your Spirit to remind us, to remind us that you are our Father and that we are your children. Uh, would you do that now as we're together this morning? And would you prepare us to come to this table to remind us of our status in sons and daughters of God who have the Spirit living inside of us? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. With the good news of Jesus.